0: Our listeners, how are you today? This is Jen Pipe, and I'm coming at you live from inside my snow globe over at Arate today and GenPipe.com headquarters. So, I hope you're all doing well, being brave, and living large as you're listening to this today. So, what we're going to focus on today is a little bit different. Um, I'm going to be answering our first listener question of the podcast. And this is something that I wanna try and do probably about once a month. So if you have any questions, problems, challenges that you would like some help with or need some advice or you know an impartial person to give you some feedback, you can head on over to genpipe.com and drop me a line. Would love to answer your questions on the air. So today's question is regarding divorce, children, and opening the lines of communication with teenagers. So this one is from a listener in New England and the listener asked, how would you suggest getting your teenage children to talk about their feelings in light of a recent separation? So that's a pretty deep question, something that I'm sure a lot of people struggle with and I think the first thing that I want to do is to sincerely thank the listener for trusting me to help with navigating through this challenging time. So honestly, it's an honor to be able to give some feedback on a topic that's as sensitive as this, and I definitely don't take that lightly. So I appreciate the question, and I will definitely answer this as honestly and as candidly um, as I possibly can. So first thing I want to do is I want to mention that divorce and separation can definitely cause lots of unexpected feelings to bubble to the surface particularly in teenagers. As it is, it's a it's a delicate, it's a difficult time in their lives, and even under the best of circumstances, they can struggle with identity and feelings and communication. So any change to their life, especially something as monumental as a divorce, can send them into a tailspin. And tailspin doesn't mean necessarily acting out. It can mean withdrawal as well. So I'd like to have this conversation start with some things to keep in mind. Um, As we think about teenagers, they have a very basic list of wants and needs, um, particularly when going through something like this. So understanding these needs can help open the lines of communication with your children. And what they really want is for both parents to stay involved in their lives. So if this is a family that's going through a separation and a divorce, um, it's really important for both parents to stay connected. And you know if if you're not staying involved together, then they might feel like they're not important, and that one of you or both of you don't really love them. So you don't want them to start questioning that. Another thing that they either want or need is they don't want you to fight. So if it possible if at all possible, if you were fighting, try to stop fighting and really try to agree on matters, particularly where they're related to the children. So if the children hear you or catch you arguing about them, whether it's time spent or you know, picking up or dropping off late or monopolizing time or one-upping them with gifts or events, they think that they did something wrong and they begin to feel guilty. Another thing to keep in mind is that um, they really love the time, and they enjoy the time that they spend with each of you. So it's critically important that you support them and the time that they're spending with both you and your ex. So any jealousy or upset that they sense or feel, they're going to start to feel like they need to take sides and love one parent more than the other. And I, I don't really think that that's a direction that anybody wants to go down. And the last thing to keep in mind from a teenager's perspective is that they really need both of your influence and your unconditional love. So as much as you can keep the normalcy, um, that would be really beneficial for them. So that's kind of like their basic list of wants and needs. Um, So diving into actually answering the question. So all of that being said... Um, let's face it, we're all different, we all have our unique communication styles, we have triggers, we have coping mechanisms, and oftentimes, despite growing up in the same household, everybody still has different perspectives on the same situation. So, I mean, I can certainly speak from example with this. Uh, My parents are divorced, and I have a sister, we're two years apart, And we were older when our parents officially split up, um, but things were rocky for most of our childhood. So, you know, it was, there was a lot going on there. And certainly, my sister and I had two different perspectives about the divorce and two different ways of handling the divorce. So, neither one of us was right or wrong. We just acted differently based on what our personal preferences were and what our personality profile was. So as a more relevant example for this listener, so as an adult, your separation, you're probably viewing it as an act of self-love or self-preservation or survival or something that you needed to do in order to be happy. But when you think about it from the eyes of your teenager, it could be viewed as something entirely different. So, you know, they may or may not be viewing this as an act of betrayal As quitting um, or a situation where they might need, like they feel, they might feel like they need to pick sides. I'm not saying that this is true in your case, but in terms of their limited perspective and their viewpoint from a secondhand standpoint, that might be what it allows them to see, especially if the lines of communication aren't open. The other thing to keep in mind is that they might also be coming from a place of blame or guilt or responsibility. A lot of times children of divorce feel like they're somehow responsible for the parents separating. So they might think that, you know, oh, if only I did better in school, this wouldn't have happened, or if only I stuck to my curfew and didn't cause my parents to fight that time, this wouldn't have happened. Um, If I did my chores better, or, you know, if I was a better kid, or funnier, or whatever the case might be, they tend to assume the burden themselves. So... One of the things that you need to do is just reassure them and let them know as often as you can that that is not the case. So adult problems most times have nothing to do with the children, um, and the kids need to understand that. So whatever way you can possibly do that, just communicate that to them as often as possible, whether or not you think they need it. So um, something else going back to the question is that my first thought is that oftentimes, in terms of communication styles, our kids take their cues from us. So I'd like to throw a question back to this specific listener and also to other listeners today and ask, how are you with your communication style? So think about it. If you're someone who typically clams up, Your kids are most likely going to clam up up in stressful situations. If we're openly stressed and just worry warts all the time, they're more likely to be openly stressed and worry warts. You know, are you someone who's able to be forthcoming and vulnerable with your children? Or are you someone who wears that suit of armor and you hide behind it when the going gets tough and they never see you cry or break down or wear your heart on your sleeve? Um, You know, the apple often doesn't fall far from the tree, so this is something that's really important to keep in mind, and if you're hoping for them to make a shift in the way they communicate with you, then it's quite possible that you might have to make a shift in the way that you communicate with them first. Um, Some other thoughts and advice is, um, you know, I think it's important to recognize and acknowledge your kid's preferred communication style. So like I said, um, especially with multiple children, the likelihood of them being exactly the same in how they express their feelings is very unlikely. So, you know, what is their style? Are they better with you face-to-face? Are they more passive? Would they prefer to write or send a text or... Are they better? I know I have friends, and sometimes I do this too, where you know the, the kids are in the car with you, and really there's no escape, and that's a really good time to at least initiate a conversation. You might not finish it, but at least while they're there with you captive, you can sort of open up the door. Um, it's really best to meet them where they are. So don't try and conform them to something that makes you feel comfortable. Meet them where they are, and really try and understand that you know, they need to communicate in a way that is more comfortable and um, more effective for them. So, another thought, um, thinking about this question about communication with teens in the wake of divorce, is love you to keep in mind that when you're asking questions, definitely ask curious, open ended ones and not loaded ones. So the ultimate goal here is to communicate to your kids that you have faith in them, you respect their thought process, their curiosity, their wonder, their feelings. So if you're trying to open up a dialogue and you come at them with questions like, why are you shutting me out? Or why can't you be more like X and open up when I'm speaking to you? You're definitely going to put them on the defensive. And that's not going to open up the lines of communication. So sometimes you have to put yourself in their shoes and think of how you would feel if someone came at you that way. So what I recommend is opening up a conversation with something like, hmm, do you have any ideas for how we can implement some new family traditions moving forward? That's kind of an open-ended question. It, It shows them that you care, that you're trying, that you want them to be involved. Or maybe if someone has gone through something similar, you could say something like, you know, how did your friend Stephanie handle it when her parents split up a couple of years ago? What was the hardest part for her? So it's not necessarily a direct dialogue with a question like that, but you're opening it up, you're opening the door with a question about someone else. And typically, once they answer a question about someone else, they might feel more comfortable putting their own feelings into it and then opening up more about their particular situation. So... Hopefully you can feel the difference between those two lines of questioning and you can see how the latter would better help to open up a dialogue. Um, Thinking of teens and, you know, I'm on the cusp of having a teenager myself so I can feel this starting to happen is um, sometimes you'll get the I don't knows or I don't cares. So if you're asking questions and you're getting shut out and you're getting shut down then maybe you could offer some suggestions. So for the example of, you know, what kind of family traditions could we implement if they give you the I don't know or I don't care or who cares or don't talk to me, then what I recommend is that you as the parent make some suggestions. So you could offer up two or three suggestions and then you could let them pick. And so what that's doing is that's giving them a voice even though they're not communicating as effectively as you would necessarily hope they would. But then it's also letting them experience what the consequences of their choice might feel like. So with the example of family traditions, you might say, um, okay, I've given this some thought and I would like to have either a family dinner on Mondays where we sit down and eat as a family. Um, we could start celebrating Christmas on Cape Cod moving forward Or, I would love to be able to be more physically active with you, and let's start taking spinning classes on Saturday. Which one would you like to start with? So, then by picking, they're having a voice, and then they also get to feel the repercussions of that choice. So, that's one tactic. Um, The other thing to think about is that, and I can't help thinking about when I was a kid and when my parents were having a tough time, is that. In times of upheaval, especially tremendous upheaval like this, normalcy is a really nice counterbalance. So think about what you can keep consistent. Now, I know with teenagers, things change all the time. They're busy. They're on the go. They're probably a lot more social than you are at this point in life. But they still thrive on consistency and rules. And I don't think that until they leave the house and until they're out on their own, um, that it benefits anyone if all of a sudden all of the boundaries and the structure that they've grown used to are negated. So think about what can you keep the same when everything else in their life is starting to feel different? Um, back to the questioning, I forgot to mention this is that really as much as possible, you want to avoid yes or no questions as often as possible. So steer clear of the hey, did you have a good day today or how was your day, that's, those are going to get you one-word answers, and you're never going to feel like your kids are communicating with you. So, you know, better options or better lines of questioning or more effective lines of questioning might be, you know, tell me about your three favorite parts of today or what's your understanding of the situation or what can we do as a family to move forward? So something that's going to get them thinking and responding. So you want to encourage critical thought here. Um, Another thing is that, and I think sometimes when there's a situation like this with a separation or a divorce, um, parents can start to feel guilty. And so they try to overcompensate because they're feeling bad. So what I want you to understand in a case like this is that you can exhibit tremendous empathy for your children without needing their approval in return. And so what I mean by that is that you don't need to put them in a position where you're making them feel like they have to feel better about your choice. Because when you do that, you're putting them in an unnecessary position of power, and then there's a chance that they might withdraw, and then you're not getting the approval that you sought out in the first place, and you feel worse. So... For example, if you're seeking their approval, right, and you want them to say, I forgive you, or I'm okay with this, or it's no problem, then if they don't give that to you, you're naturally going to try harder to get it, and then they're more likely to push you away. So just keep in mind, you don't need their support, but you do have a right to demand their respect at this time. So they're two very different things, but I know sometimes we get stuck in that hamster wheel of guilt, so I felt it was important to mention that. Um, I think that, you know, in giving this question a lot of thought, one of the most important things that I can suggest is to make sure that you are in no way and under no circumstances in front of your children insulting, denigrating, bad-mouthing, talking crap about your ex, ever. Um, You know, I feel like this anyway, but particularly in a situation like this, character assassination of your ex is the worst thing you can possibly do. And just because you no longer love your spouse does not mean your children have also fallen out of love with him or her. So um, the parent-child bond is a lot different than the husband-wife bond or the husband-husband or wife-wife bond. Um, And regardless of how you feel... Now that you're in this new situation, they undoubtedly still love their other parent and you absolutely need to respect that. This is critical. Um, If you are guilty of this or you have done this in the past, now is the time to rectify it. Because you can never expect your children to be open and honest with you if they know how you feel and are afraid of any repercussions or disagreements or guilt that might arise about them having different feelings. So you really, really need to keep in mind that at one point, you loved this person and you loved them enough to have children with them. And so your children are a direct byproduct of that love. Don't poison it now. Um, you know, tearing your ex apart can make your your children question their worth and their value and how you feel about them. Because no matter what, like I said, they are still directly tied to this other parent. So, I really just want to stress, like, keep it classy, all right? Your children, just like they're a byproduct of an earlier love, they're now a direct byproduct of your divorce in a different way. So, they're still learning from you. They're still learning about love and loss and real life situations from you. So just please teach them how to go through a divorce or a major life shift like this with grace and integrity. I I really can't stress that enough. Um, Another thing to give some thought to is to be creative. And I I mean that literally. Like if you're having a hard time communicating with your children and you feel like you're banging a head against the wall, literally, do something creative. Um, A lot of times art and creativity, it provides a diversion. So it helps people who are having a difficult time expressing themselves to open up. And it gives the voiceless a voice. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this um, in my self-esteem through art programs is that, you know, the shy open up the broken start to heal, um, the sad start to find joy. So art therapy is an incredible, incredibly valuable and effective tool. And I don't personally believe that you have to be a trained artist or certified art therapist to make this work in your favor. Um, if you want to hear a little bit more about how this works and my perspective on this, then there's a short video about the power of art over on my Self-Esteem Through Art page at genpipe.com. And so just go to jennpipe.com, check it out, click on the video, and um, it's about 12 minutes long, it's an interview that I did with a local um, cable TV show, and there's some great information in there. Um, thinking about this, thinking about the creative loop, I've talked about this before, it's kind of you know, my mantra and my guiding principle for everything I do, and for me, when I'm finding that things are getting unbearable, or I'm having a tough time, or I've you know, hit a wall. I like to do creative things too, to kind of open up, open up my mind, open up my heart, get me back on track. Um, I write a lot personally in a journal, on my blog. I scrapbook, I take pictures. Um, You know, my kids and little kids in general, they love to color. And I have had some of my best conversations with my kids while we're in front of a coloring book. Um, Just easy, breezy, focused on something else, truth comes out. It's like a truth serum. Um, Older kids, teenagers, they might enjoy taking a class with you. Go take a cooking class together. Um, Go to one of those paint bar places where you can both paint a canvas. Um, or, you know, this might be a really good time to start curating some of their favorite memories. Let them go through photo albums. Let them look through your digital photos on the computer. Let them create a scrapbook with some of their favorite memories. And it might be difficult for you to watch them, you know, ooh and ah and gush over your ex, but again, this is a person that has been critically important in their life. Let them celebrate that relationship. So that's one additional way of getting kids to communicate and open up. Um, You know, another thought is to give some thought to what alternate methods might help open the lines of communication. So, you know, I mentioned before I like to write, and sometimes I resort to writing as opposed to talking in person. And I do this especially if something is either very painful for me or very personal. I've always been someone who feels like I communicate better in writing sometimes than I do in person. It's how I like to bare my soul when the going's tough. It's cathartic. And sometimes if you're in either, you know, direct conflict or direct confrontation with a person, sometimes it helps to put all those feelings down on a piece of paper because you're not arguing. You're not losing your train of thought in the heat of the moment. You're you're saying what you want to say in the way that you wanna say it without absorbing someone else's energy. So maybe encourage that your children start a journal or a diary, and they don't necessarily have to share it with you, but it's a really great way for them to work through their feelings and get things down on paper so that they can start to deal with them and start to process them. Um, I have two daughters myself, and I've had these with them for a while, and I have a journal with, with each of them. So, you know, it's something I bought in the store, and it's kind of a compilation of, you know, getting to know you. There's question sections where we can ask each other questions. Um, It's fun. You know, there's surveys and, you know, what was your favorite song and that kind of thing. And then it can be very deep. So there's places to write down questions and write down thoughts. And there are times where they have not wanted to come to me directly with things that they either find embarrassing or confusing but they will always, always, always pick up that journal because they know they feel comfortable writing in it. They know I am never going to, um, you know, punish them or denigrate them for something they've written down. And so it's where they just, they feel free to ask awkward questions about puberty or boys or their peers or school. And, and, It's been really helpful for us. So may or may not work for you and your kids, but definitely something to think about, especially if they have a special place where they know they can write down their thoughts. So what I'll do is I'll place a link over on my genpipe.com blog so that you can see the journal I'm talking about. And if you feel like it's a good thing, you can pick one up and get your hands on it. Um, Let's see, talked about communication. Um, Let's see, okay. So if you're having a really tough time with this, then what I think you should maybe do is you could make a game of it. And I I mean that like literally. So, you know, maybe you start writing little messages on the bathroom mirror and then they can answer. You could, um, I heard this really good story once about a woman who had a vintage typewriter and she would type something and leave it there for her kids and then they would reply to it. So it's kind of like this ongoing dialogue between them. Not direct, but effective. Um, if your kids are particularly athletic or they love sports, maybe you could communicate with them via sports analogy. Or pull up information about people that they look up to that have gone through this kind of thing. The point is to speak their language and really put yourself in their shoes. Um... The other thing that it's important to consider too is to really give consideration as to how you are responding to them when they open up to you. Are you an open and empathetic listener? If not, are you coming across critical and condescending when they're coming to you? Do things often end in an argument? Does it feel like it's always you versus them? So you have to keep in mind that your children have their own personalities, they have their own perspectives, they have their own opinions. And it's really important to honor that as much as possible. You don't want to make them wrong when they share with you. So for example, let's say that they tell you they want to see their other parent more. Um, Are you freaking out when they say that and trying to discourage that relationship? Or are you trying to find a way to make it work? And are you supportive of that? If they share that they're in pain and they're struggling... Are you telling them to toughen up and suck it up? Or are you not even present when they're talking to you? So the thing to consider here is how many times do you think they will trust you with their feelings before they completely shut down? The ultimate goal isn't to make them your clone. It's to help them navigate through this in a way that makes sense for them. So if you're criticizing and manipulating them or making them feel less than when they share with you, I guarantee you they will shut down. You cannot expect to make people feel like shit and then have them keep coming back for more, even if they are your children. So keep that in mind. Also, don't have any discussions if either party is angry or out of control. You can always revisit it later under calmer conditions. Um, Typically, conversations that occur in anger, they breed contempt and regret, and that's not a healthy environment. So... What I think I want to do here is just wrap up with a couple life cues that might help you get through um, this time. So just remember that we all do the best we can with the tools that we have available. And if this is your child or children's first life upheaval, they just might need some time to adjust and process things. If they've never experienced this before, we really can't expect them to be able to articulate as well as we would like them to. Um, you know, you both sides need to remember that you are always responsible for the things that you say and do. Um, so you have to assume ownership of your, the words and your actions and your energy. Um, you might have to work through many of these options or even some things I didn't even think to suggest before something clicks, but please don't give up, you know, keep trying And within reason, you really want to keep making the effort until you find the magic potion for you and your family. I think it's in everyone's best interest to communicate effectively and to empathize and to help each other through this turbulence. So I just want to say I have the utmost faith, especially since you took the initiative to ask this question, that you and your children will come around with your unwavering love and guidance. In the meantime, be gentle with yourself, Put your own oxygen mask on first and lead by example. And then one last item of note is that if all else fails or things start getting worse or you notice that your children are adopting dangerous or detrimental behaviors like drugs or drinking or depression um, or even like extreme withdrawal, I truly recommend seeking out individual and or group counseling with a qualified therapist who specializes in this field. You don't have to go it alone. So I really, really hope that this helped answer your listener question. I wish you and your family nothing but the best during this time. You have all of our love and support and we'll be sending great energy your way. And I just want to let you know that, as always, I'm putting additional information and resources over on the blog. So you want to head on over to genpipe.com for the extras and to start a conversation in the comments field. I want to know, was this helpful for you? You know, did you find it relevant? Let me know. If it was, rate it on iTunes. Leave a comment in the blog. Get the word out. And one last item, be social. Share, share, share. There are other families out there just like yours who need this information and could truly benefit from it. So again, I hope this was beneficial for you. I hope it helps you in the long run. And until next time, peace.